Ron Swanson. Where he takes a picture of Big Ben and he's like, oh look, a clock. We don't have that in America. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest and greatest episode of the Shaman Points Podcast. My name is Jayton May. You can find me on Twitter at jmay56, joined as always by my co-host, Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? Doing great, Jay. We're on the eve of uh, NFL starting up. We got college football back. College football in full swing. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at Buckistats. You can find the podcast on Twitter at shaving underscore points. That's PTS underscore pod. Go check out our website, shaving-points.com. All of our content that we talk about on here can be found there as well. And some of it in written form on there. So go check out our articles. Um, we're also on Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. So go find us on the socials. Like, subscribe, interact, and let's go. Yes, sir. Today we're going to be talking about some fantasy football picks. We're going to be talking about guys that we think are being undervalued in drafts. I know drafting is in full swing right now. A lot of drafts this weekend. So if you're drafting this weekend, these are these are some guys that maybe you're going to be looking at that you like that your draft position may not they may not fall to you when you want them, but they're they might be worth reaching for rather than taking somebody else whose ADP fits the bill of where you're at in your draft. Kind of hard to explain, but that's kind of our idea on these guys. We have we have early guys, we have mid guys, mid late, mid early. Basically four tiers of different position or different areas in your draft where you can kind of target these guys and maybe reach on them if you don't like somebody, if you don't like the players available. So that's what we're focusing on today. I'm also in the middle of a live draft right now that I got thrown into last second. So you'll probably hear a little bit of that play out. I'm about to go into my eighth round of this 10-team league, uh, half PPR, crazy scoring system that I got thrown into last second. I'm going to get a dub. I'm dominating the draft right now. Uh, no doubt in my mind we're gonna we're gonna get this dub home for shaving points so ain't worried about it but with further ado let's get started oh and also i have some college picks for you at the end college football's back in full swing had a full thursday slate we got some friday games full weekend slate we got a big big matchup ohio state notre dame that we'll break down for you we have games all the way until monday night it's labor day weekend nothing but college football Absolutely love it. College football owns Labor Day weekend. I'm so excited. But let's start with these value picks, as we like to call them. And I'll let you just go ahead and break these down so I can kind of follow my draft a little bit so I don't get too far behind over here. And then I'll, yeah. I'll chime in when it's my pick again. Yeah, absolutely. So early round, we're looking at top three rounds here. Um, these are all sorted by eight average draft position. Uh, here you'll see model, which is the rank that a model that I use to draft every year has these guys where they should be going and where they're ranked as far as the mo it takes into, into factor positional value um, and projected pro production from a handful of sources from uh, it combines PFF, ESPN, fantasy pros and um, CBS projections into one and just gets the average of them all and ranks them based on 
how much better or worse they are than the average running back or wide receiver or quarterback or tight end that you'd expect to have on the board. Um, and then the average column there that averages together my top 50, Jay's top 50 and the model to get to kind of get a, a nice clean number of where these guys we think they should be and where the math says they might be. And then differential is just the difference between that, the average draft position and the average. Kicking it off, we got Joe Mixon at the top. Um, I think he's just a guy who gets overlooked a lot. He, he probably should be a back half of the first first round in any fantasy draft. He's a three down back. He can get plenty of catches um, and plenty of touches in the run game. And he doesn't really come off the field a whole lot. And that alone is valuable in fantasy. So don't don't be hesitant to take Joe Mixon at the end of your first round. He's a he's an easy pick for me whenever he's there. I've taken him two or three times the last few years just because I think he probably deserves to be a little higher uh, just based on his consistency. Yeah, and he gets the volume too. So yep. with the volume and the the talent that the talent that he has and the O line getting better, I like Joe Mixon a lot. Yeah. Next up, Travis Kelsey. I want you to just like close your eyes if you're listening to this, unless you're driving. But if you're not driving, just close your eyes and picture these words coming up in front of you. It's never too early to draft Travis Kelsey. Absolutely. Especially if you're in a half, half PPR or a full PPR league. So you're you're getting a number one wide receiver at the thinnest position in fantasy football. A position that's average scoring is a wide receiver three. Yes. And he he puts up similar numbers to our or wide receiver ones. I mean, his, his value is through the roof. And like you said, depending on how confident you are with your board, it's never too early to draft Travis Chelsea. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Next up, DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm not quite as high on him as Jay is, just because I'm not as certain about the share of touches that he's going to get in that backfield. But the talent's there. I mean, he's he's proven it multiple times that he can put up big numbers for you. Jay, you want to talk a little bit about Swift? Yeah, I love DeAndre Swift. Uh, one of the things I love about DeAndre Swift is that he has a top five offensive line in the league. They have a new offensive coordinator that took over about midway through the season last year. When the new offensive coordinator did take over, that offense absolutely started exploding. DeAndre Swift started exploding. He started getting more catches out of the backfield. He started the the runs that he was getting were more scheme to fit his running style rather than just blindly give him the ball 25 times a game. His touches actually went down, but his yards and average per carry went up. So his fantasy numbers went up when the new office coordinator took over. I think Jamal Williams might s steal some carries from him, but he is a, every bit of an every down back who can catch the ball out of the backfield, who is still a threat in the red zone for a defense plays on an offense that's going to be high scoring with a defense that's not very good. I love the Lions offense this year for fantasy. Um, I think they're going to be a high scoring offense and I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop anybody. So I think everybody on that Lions team is going to get a lot of opportunities, including DeAndre Swift. So I, I love, love, love DeAndre Swift in fantasy. Yeah. And then next up, we got Aaron Jones, who has an average draft position of 16.7. Um, the average of all three boards that I talked about earlier has him at 13th. 
So you're getting about three to four pick value there by getting Aaron Jones a little ahead of his ADP, um, as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, Green Bay doesn't have a lot of receiver. They don't have a lot of tight end. But Aaron Jones is pretty damn good. And he's gonna yeah. he's gonna get touches, he's gonna get catches, he's gonna get volume because they have a lack of talent outside of him and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, somebody's gonna have to pick up the targets that they lost to Devontae Adams. On top of that, they don't really have a true blue wide receiver one. Bob Tanyan's gonna be there coming back healthy. Um, then you got the rookie of the Christian Watson. You have Alan Lizard. Um, yeah, Aaron Jones is. I mean, he's he's the only guy that we know who could consistently put it together for that offense besides Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he might be one of Aaron's most trusted guys on the team. And on top of having a good offensive line and a team that's going to play good defense, I think they're going to be running the ball more than they probably have in the past. This is another guy who's backup may hurt his production a little bit, but he's a paid guy. He's a made guy. I think he's going to get the touches. I have him. I have him higher on my board than I mean than his differential here. I think if you like this guy at the end of the first. Absolutely 100% take him, especially in a full PPR league uh, where pass catching running backs can really skyrocket in value. So, yeah, I like Aaron Jones a lot. Uh, I'll just go ahead and take this next one. Pookie Williams, Javante Williams, my number one running back in fantasy this year. I think he's going to finish the year number one running back in fantasy football. I love everything about that offense. I think that entire division has been built around stopping the pass. Everybody is focus on stopping the pass. There's receivers everywhere. Four of the best quarterbacks in the league play in the division. Broncos have a good offensive line. I think for Russell Wilson to hit his peak potential, they're going to have to run the ball 17 to 21 times a game. I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to really bite, bite into those carries much. I think he's going to be more of a change of pace guy, maybe four to seven carries a game, maybe come in for relief uh, to give Javante a just a little rest, but I think this is Javante's backfield 100%. Uh, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He can run block or he can pass block. I mean, I think he's going to get anywhere between 15 to 20 carries a game, and he could add three or four catches on top of that pretty easily. And yeah, I, I love Javante Williams. I think he's going to absolutely feast. Also, update fantasy draft, eighth round. I'm on the clock. So. Have Lamar Jackson, Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Mark Andrews, Amon Ross St. Brown. Available J.K. Dobbins, D.K. Metcalf, Juju, A.J. Dillon, Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy, Tony Pollard, D.J. Moore. You're not going to like my answer. Jerry Judy, D.J. Moore? No, D.J. Moore. See, I can get both of them. I can get Jerry Judy and DJ Moore here. Let's do it. Okay. I'm taking Jerry Judy first, and I'll get DJ Moore on the wraparound. There you go. I mean, DJ Moore is so, – he's another guy who just gets overlooked in fantasy for some reason, even though he does it every single year. So, I, I need another running back eventually. So, should I get J.K. Dobbins here or DJ Moore? Who are your next running backs coming up? Nobody really other than J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, Clyde Edwards-Lair, uh, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, Cordell Patterson, Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, Miles I, Sanders is still there. I can get him next round. 
I'd, I'd, I'd probably go J.K. Dobbins. He's got a lot of Ravens on that offense, but yeah. oh well. Let's go but JK. I would, I I'll would take back. a flyer on Edward Tiller if he's if he's there the next circle around. Yeah, I like to say Pacheco much better than him though. Let's get both. I might be able to get both. Okay, let's go Dobbins here. I think I think we might be able to snag DJ Moore on the wraparound. Maybe I don't know. Let's see. Probably won't be able to get him on the wraparound. Um. Yeah, let's take Dobbins here. I need a I need a third. Yeah, you need, you need a more sure thing there. Yeah, it's All a lot right, of Ravens, up, but let's yeah, go. A, next up, Mike Evans, average draft position twenty five point three. Our average ranking is 18. I think we both even have them a little higher than that. Um, I, I get, I mean, I, I love going after guys a little early who are just a model of consistency because Does it, you're in your it's up. really easy for me to take home run shots when I know I have this subset of guys who are constantly doing what they do. You know, thousand yeah. yards a year, touchdown year. catches, good PPR, like, it makes it really easy for me to take some chances later in the draft. You're when you draft Mike Evans, you're getting seventy to eighty-five catches, eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns, guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. So, I mean, that's an easy one for me. Yeah, and so I mean, at twenty-five ADP, uh, that might be standard. I'm not sure, but I mean, you can no, get this guy PPR. Half PPR. So getting this guy halfway through the second round or halfway through the third round i mean you're you're talking about value through the roof you can take this guy as early as mid second i would say and feel very very confident about it uh especially i mean there seems to be a big drop off after cooper cup justin jefferson jamar chase uh who else am i missing in there um Devontae adams and then that there seems to be a drop off after that. I mean, Mike Evans is kind of in that mid tier of yeah. maybe not with those guys, but probably not as low as the next tier of guys. So, I mean, he kind of gets passed on and then people start going after guys like Steph Diggs and uh, guys like that. I mean, Mike Evans year in, year out, like we said, I mean, he's never not done it until he doesn't do it. He is absolutely worth every bit of maybe reaching up for if you need to so definitely and then last up here on our early round value picks is ezekiel elliott being drafted at 28.7 on average for half ppr leagues um we have him at 21 here and i just think it's outstanding value for the volume that he gets yeah, i can i can break this one down a little bit this is the first year Zeke's ever been undervalued in fantasy football. He's usually overvalued. People usually always overdraft Zeke. Um, people look at a season last year, and people who just watch the Cowboys look, watch the games and say Zeke sucks. They don't look at the end result. I mean, we're talking about fantasy football. We're not talking about NFL right now. Two completely different games. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you almost have to separate fantasy from the NFL completely because – they're nowhere near the same game. Zeke finished the top five running back last year. Yeah, he can be the most inefficient back in the NFL. But, but if the, he's, he's still get the getting the fantasy numbers, I, I want him on my roster. You know, yeah, I, I don't really care if he's good. He's going to get the volumes. He's going to get the touches. Yeah, Tony Pollard is better. But we've seen nothing 
from this coaching staff. And even if Pollard does get more carries this year, I mean, they don't have receivers on that team right now. Until they get some receivers healthy, even if Pollard gets 10 carries a game, Zeke still may be getting 20 carries a game. I mean, yeah, his value is absolutely, like, his value is so low right now. I mean, like I said, I think, I feel like he's been overdrafted every year he's been in the NFL. Yeah. And now, finally, people just feel like they have the stink on him, and he is just getting buried on draft boards. Yeah. And that's that's where you're, if you're picking 15th, 16th, and maybe maybe you went receiver in the first round, or you took Travis Kelsey in the first round. You you're still getting, in my opinion, a top seven, top five running back, um, and a guy that stays healthy. He doesn't get hurt. Uh, I mean, you're getting a solid, solid yeah. running back who you know you don't is going to get backs like him in the late twenties. Very often. yeah, yeah. Except for this so, year, I mean, he's just there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It, it's crazy how far he's fallen, but. Let's yeah. push this on to our early to mid-round value picks. Starting it off with a duo from the Denver Broncos, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, who are going 52.3 and 59 in average draft position. And most of most of what I've seen, these two guys are identical. So Bobby Trees. The model, the model agrees, and so do our rankings, because they both average 41. <laughs> In yeah, tank, and they're 68 so, and 69 on the model. The, these two guys are like Bobby Trees and Cooper Cup last year, almost the exact same ADP, and one right after the other. Nobody could figure them out. Last year, I bet on Cooper Cup. I said he was the guy who was going to blow up. I mean, I'm not sitting here and telling you I thought he'd be the best receiver in football, but I loved Cooper Cup in fantasy last year. I got him in every single league except one. Um, and this year. I think, in my opinion, it's Jerry Judy. Quentin believes it's Cortland Sutton. It could be either one, but either way, I think both of these guys are being highly undervalued. Uh, like I said, I, I love everything about this Denver offense. I love, I mean, any They're piece being of drafted the, in a position as if people are assuming they didn't just get a good quarterback. Yeah, any piece of the AFC West offensive skill position, I'm in love with, really, I mean. <laughs> You give me you give me Chiefs wide receivers. You give me Raiders wide receivers, tight ends, Chiefs tight ends, Broncos tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, Chargers wide receiver, tight ends. Running. It doesn't matter. Give me a piece of that AFC West. That's going to be freaking lightning, high scoring, balls to the wall offense for half the season in that division. And you have two guys that are as talented as Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, basically being disrespected against the likes of. Uh, a Mike Williams or a Keenan Allen or uh, Devontae Adams, even Hunter Renfro's or maybe not the Chiefs wide receivers right now, even though I think the Chiefs wide receivers are going to blow up as well. But yeah, I mean, I think these guys are going to put up monster numbers in an entire division that's going to put up monster numbers all year. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I mean, I just think these guys... But in fantasy, you talk about so much that you're looking for shares of elite offenses. And I think Denver's going to be elite offense this year. And I don't like that. It's as simple as that for me. Another um, quick update on the clock. DJ Moore is there. So we take DJ Moore, right? Oh, yeah. DJ Moore is right. a guy. Clyde Edwards-Lair uh, is still there. So, so I take both? 
I'd take, yeah, I'd take both. Do you want to see, do you want to say, look, just quick, quick. Juju, Jalen Waddle, Michael Thomas, Clyde Rizler, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, Darnell Mooney are kind of the guys I'm looking at. So I'd be looking at DJ Moore, Mooney, and Edward Zolaire. Edward Zolaire, just because of running back. Like, I don't what think about he's... Juju? See, I'd take I'd take uh, I'd take the other two like number one options in their offense. Juju's number one offense, or I mean, I he's number one receiver in the offense. Yeah, not number one option. So what if I go Juju then? DJ Moore. I mean, I could get behind that because the person. Jeff I just, and, I personally think Edward Solaire is getting knocked down a bit too much this year. I just think he's good value. So you think? So I got Juju. So you, you think you like Edward Solaire over Juju? Like, yeah, I, I think so. Right if now. if you're taking another receiver already. Like, I mean, how many receivers are on your roster? Uh, I have Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Amonra St. Brown, and Jerry Judy. I can only start three. Yeah, so I mean, I, I just, I just try to keep it even, like, like wide receiver, running back, until I, until there's not a running back that I think is so, worth having. So Edwards Alaire. Yeah, I'd take him. Okay, and then DJ Moore, or Juju, next pick. I think Juju is about to go. Juju just went. So DJ Moore. Yeah, I'd take DJ Moore. Okay, so DJ Moore it is. Yeah. All right, I'll so next, next time. <laughs> next up here, we got Dalton Schultz. I'll let you talk about your dude, Jaden. Yeah, so Dalton Schultz, another Cowboys guy here. Um, another reason why I like him, it's kind of a reason why I like Zeke as well, is that they have no receivers on the team and a lot of talent on the team. Um, offensive line kind of just went down. They're going to have to get the ball out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Dalton Schultz is a perfect target for that. He's good for run after the catch. He finished top seven last year in fantasy. I mean, I think he finished anywhere between six and nine last year for fantasy tight ends. And this year, he's kind of sitting in that same nine position. I think he has potential to move way, way up that board. I think he's going to get a lot more targets. So if you're in half point or full point PPR this year, I think he is a guy that can definitely skyrocket in value for you because – it's C.D. Lamb and I don't know Kevontae Turpin. I, I don't. I mean, uh, who, uh, I'm trying to think. Jason uh, Peters is going to catch a lot of balls for him. I'm trying to think. Uh, who's that other? Who's that other rookie they they drafted out of the FCS? Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert can't catch the ball. Kevontae Turpin can't catch the ball. Noah Brown can't catch the ball. C.D. Lamb can catch sometimes. I mean, he has drop issues as well. And then still haven't don't have a Michael Gallup update. We have no idea about James Robinson. Uh, not James Robinson. James Washington. We haven't gone out and signed Odell Beckham. I don't know if we're giving Antonio Brown a call. I don't know what we're doing. But he's got to throw the ball to somebody. Dalton Schultz is a reliable target. He's always he's a guy that can always get open. Uh, he may not get the touchdowns you need, but he could be a seven to nine catch a game guy, uh, fifty to sixty yards. And at the tight end position, if you can get nine to eleven points a week and draft a guy in the mid mid to late round, somewhere between the fifth and the ninth, uh, you you can pick this guy up from what I've seen late, late, late. But I mean, if you need a tight end and fifth, sixth round, it's definitely worth reaching 
for this guy. I 100% believe he's going to get the targets. He's going to get the volumes. He has the athleticism for a run after the catch. Uh, I love him at the tight end position. Yeah. And then next up, we got Amon Ross St. Brown. Average draft position is 63, which is criminally low. Model yeah. has him around 50 at 54. We both have him in our top 25. I mean, it's just, it I spoke just of, seems I, crazy I spoke about to me it. that he's going at 63. Spoke about it a little bit earlier, but whenever they changed offensive coordinators halfway through the season last year, Amon Ross St. Brown from weeks 8 through 17, so half a season, had 873 yards, six touchdowns, and 47 catches. And half a season. Going into that game, he had, I think, like 27 catches and 200 yards on the season for a touchdown. I mean, he almost, he had essentially all of his season stats in the second half of the season when the new offensive coordinator took over. Like, you look at his rookie season, you're like, oh, I mean, he almost had a 1,000 yards. Like, he was all right. Like, no, that was that was half a season's worth of production. This kid is going to be an absolute star. And in that offense, he's going to explode as the number one target. We saw it in preseason. I mean, he was playing one or two drives. I think he averaged, like, four catches a game in preseason and played, like, seven drives total. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I love him. I, I think he's an absolute steal if you can get him in the 60s. And Jared Goff is looking crisp. And say what you want about Jared Goff. I've had so many arguments with Jared Goff with everybody that will argue with me. And everybody just says he's bad. He's not bad. He, he's a top 12 quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. I'm not going to sit on the table and tell you Jared Goff is elite or is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he can get it done. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. And people are acting like he's just trash. He's not trash. He's he's a fine, competent quarterback. He can get his guys the ball, and this offense is going to be explosive. Hey, tell me, like, two, maybe two years ago, three years ago, where was Juju Smith-Suster going in drafts? Top three rounds, probably. Top, top 25? Yeah, I think, like, top 20. Easily. When Big Ben can still throw the ball. Yeah. Now he's going at average draft position at 70. Um, the projections here don't think he's going to do a lot better, but I just have a hard time believing that with an upgraded quarterback, like jumping from 40-year-old Ben to prime Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Juju. I mean, we just kind of broke it down a second ago. Yeah. On- Live, I didn't take him. I went with the running back instead. That was mainly because of the guys I already had. But yeah, I absolutely love Juju, and somebody's got to catch the ball on that offense. I mean, Travis Kelsey is probably going to get close to 100 catches, but there's still probably 150 catches on the board to go around. He's the next more. most proven thing on that offense. Yeah, we know he can get open. We know he's quick, fast. Um, he's on a one-year deal. He's got something to prove. He's a veteran. Him and Marquez Valdez-Scantley, I like a lot. But, I mean, Juju, I mean, we know he has the talent. We know he's there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I love Juju. You want to talk about Darnell? I'm about to pick, so I'll let oh, you Oh, yeah, I can, I can take the next three. I was just trying to toss you, you some of your guys. Um, yeah. So, Darnell Mooney, 
average draft position is 74, which is just not right. It's just blatantly not right. Uh, Model thinks he should be going in the mid-60s. We both had him probably in the top 50 here. I mean, he's going to get targets. If you're not a Bears fan, I can tell you, him and Justin Fields practically live together. They're like best friends. They're inseparable. And he's going to get all the opportunities, all the chances to um, make some noise this year. And the cherry on top is that he was a fifth round pick, which means that his contract isn't that big. He doesn't make that much money for the NFL. But after this season, he can get a contract extension. That's what he's playing for. This dude's about to make some big time wide receiver money and he's about to make some big time fantasy wide receiver points. Um, Next after that is Rashad Bateman being drafted at 81.3. Bateman barely got to play with Lamar Jackson last year. He started the season injured, then he came back and Lamar got injured and he just, he never took off because of that. But when they were on the field together, they put up really nice numbers. Um, not, not many touchdowns, but their yardage and his target rate were solid. His target rate's only going to go up with Hollywood being gone. He should get some more touchdowns out of it. I love the Ravens offense this year. Him at 81.3 is easy to me. The projections don't match up with it, but they're projections. They, I mean, what do they know that we don't? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all just guessing. Um, so, and then last up, oh, go ahead. I'm up on the clock, so I can go kicker defense here, uh, but probably not. So Kadarius Tony, Amari Cooper, Chris Olave, Cordell Patterson, Ramondre Stevenson, Kenneth Walker. I'd go Ken. Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Okay, I can probably get him on my next pick. So okay. Who else of the group? Kadarius Tony. Um, can you name the receivers again? Darius Tony, Amari Cooper, Chris Olave, Russell Gage, uh, Tyler Lockett. I, I go Olave. My favorite guy in the draft. Yeah, let's take him. Let's take him, boy. I don't love him that offense, but I'm high. I think. Hey man, Jameis likes to throw it deep, and Michael Thomas isn't hey. has never really been that deep guy. He, and I think Olave is going to be the. He's my six receiver. He's my six receiver behind Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jerry Judy, and DJ Moore. So. Yeah, I mean, you got a ton. Of, that, so this is exactly what I was saying about taking like the, um, the consistent guys though. You can take a chance on an Olave because you got DJ Moore on your bench. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I took Kenneth Walker there. So I only got kicker and defense left, so I want to interrupt for yeah. those two. I love Kenneth Walker. Too. I mean, he's he's supposed to be the lead back there when whenever he gets back. So yeah, um, we'll see how that, if that's true or not. But I, think, my, I I don't see him sitting like not playing. He's, he's my fifth running back behind Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Last up here for the early to mid-round guys is Hunter Renfro being drafted at 84.3. Model thinks he should be in the low 70s, um, and I agree. I mean, I, I think he's probably somewhere in the 60s to 70 range. Um, and that's just huge value if you can get it. If you can get him in the late 70s, even the early 80s, I, I, I love that spot for him. Yeah. I think he has great rapport with Derek Carr. 
sure, they got Devontae Adams, but I don't think Devontae Adams is going to be eating up 20, 15 to 20 targets a game like he did in Green Bay. I, th- I think his his Renfro's share is going to be just fine. And if anything, his ability to get yak is going to go up. My only concern is that he, Devontae Adams alone may not do that, but with Josh McDaniels coming in, with them probably going to be running a two tight end set with Darren Waller and uh, Foster Morrow. Foster Morrow. Um, I think Foster Morrow might cut into those targets a little bit too. On top of Devonte Adams, I still like Hunter Renfro a lot. So he's a guy that's get. He's a he's a touchdown guy too. He's a guy that gets open in the red zone. Um, so he's got a lot of touchdown value. I kind of. I probably might like him more for a standard league rather than a half PPR or full PPR, but still like Hunter and Pro a lot. So when Welker was with the Patriots, was that in the two tight end time? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I'm not too worried. Welker and Edelman. Yeah, Welker and Edelman both both put it like that. Josh McDaniels is going to make sure and Renfro has that can do damage. Will do damage, and he has that rapport with uh, or he has that rapport with Derek Carr, like those guys similarly had with Tom Brady. Yeah. All right. Next up here, the mid to late round guys. So we're getting into your sleeper territory here. Um, As we saw in Jay's draft earlier, Brandon Ayuk didn't last to ninety six. No. But his average draft position uh, in half-PPR leagues is 96. If I could interject here, we have Damian Pierce here, who his ADP probably jumped up 73 spots. Like overnight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he went in the fourth round in the draft I just did. Um, and we've been on him since the draft. So if you've, been, if you've been listening, you're welcome. I wish I would have had some fantasy drafts that weren't after the fact that they cut everybody and said he's our number one guy. He's going to be our bell cow because all that value just went out the door. But, I mean, we've been <laughs> on that guy for a minute, but we'll get to him in a second. But if you're seeing him on here and you're like, oh, yeah, we have an ADP of 115 on him, that is not his ADP if you're listening to this right now. Yeah, and I made these yesterday, so it literally changed that much overnight. <laughs> yeah. So, I just wanted to clear that up if anybody's watching. Yeah, these, these graphics were from 24 hours ago. That's how fast things changed in the NFL. And we've been saying he's going to be the lead back in Houston since they drafted him. And it looked like it was going to be a crowded backfield. I was telling everybody, hey, go take Damian Pierce by week three, by week four, by week five. You're going to have a lead back who's going to be getting 17 to 25 carries a game. Turns out it's going to be week one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So first up on this group is Brandon Ayuk. Like I said, average draft position at 96. We have him at an average rank of about 48 here. He's he's going to be a top 50 player this year. I thoroughly believe that. Um, you put Trey Lance in that offense who has that downfield ability. Ayuk is suddenly going to explode onto the scene as long as Trey Lance can hit those throws because Jimmy G couldn't. Trey Lance or uh, Brandon Ayuk was capped because of Jimmy Garoppolo, and his cap is kind of gone now. Might have to interject here again with the new Jimmy G news of him saying in San Francisco, uh, he might end up being the starter this year, and that the value that I loved in Ayuk 
loses a little bit. But if Trey Lance is good, if Trey Lance can push the ball downfield, 100% agree with you. Yeah. But if Jimmy G somehow takes this job back and they sit Lance for another year, Ayuk's value plummets. I don't think there's a sitting for another year in the NFL anymore. It's just permanently sitting. Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, it, this Jimmy G situation is weird, man. It is. It definitely throws a wrench in this. Um, and, so maybe I mean, take there, a little more caution there, than I was some initially insider, saying. That's I there, there's some insiders saying that Jimmy G is going to be the starter. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be a little more cautious with the Jimmy G news. Um, again, stuff changes fast in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, you or uh, Trey Lance looked really good in their first preseason game, and since then he's looked like absolute dog shit. At the end of the day, we have no idea until Week One because Pat Mahomes so, didn't look very good in the preseason before he went on his MVP tear. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot. Saw, like it's, we actually, it's preseason. We saw Patrick Mahomes light up a Denver Broncos offense in Week 17 of the regular season before they lost in the first or second round of the playoffs that's true that's true uh, and we never really saw trey lance do anything other than run the ball last year in an actual game so yeah so we should probably just toss out our number three on this list at this point yeah for now I our number three on the on the on the mid to late round values was trey lance but this was before the jimmy g contract news and now we're much more skeptical of that um so if I could interject, sorry, I said I wasn't going to ask. I'm, I'm on kicker and defense here. And am I crazy? They have the Packers, like, the so these are the defenses that are ranked above the Packers. Saints, Chiefs, Titans, Vikings, Broncos, Bengals, Steelers, and then Packers. Am I missing something? Or should I just take the Packers? Packers. I mean, they're not... They're going to be in a lot of grinded out games with their receiver core, and that defense is one of the most talented in the NFL. Yeah, that division kind of sucks. Yeah, take Packers. Okay. Don't hesitate on that. I was, I was, I mean, I'm not too worried about defense, but I didn't know if I was missing something. All right. Next up here, we got DeAndre Hopkins, average draft position at 96.7. His average rank here is about 104, and that's that's really just the model at this point and projections. Um, honestly, if you're looking for a guy for a playoff run, and you you like you're very confident you're going to make the playoffs or be in the playoff conversation, and you just want to make sure you have that boost waiting for you at week 11, D Hop's your guy. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. So he has a negative differential here. So this is. My my opinion is he's Hopkins. not going to project with any of the anybody else because he's yeah. missing ten games of the seventeen game season. Is it ten games? Mm-hmm. I thought it was less than that. No, I'm pretty sure it's ten. Can we fact check that real quick? Just to make you sure. can. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump to our next guy while you're fact checking it. Alan Lazard, average draft position one hundred seven point three. Um, his differential here is about 15 spots. We think he should be going in the low 90s. Okay. Um, six games. Six games. Damn. That's what oh, I thought. Okay. Uh, when you said 10, I was like, whoa. I wouldn't have him as high on my draft board if it was 10. Yeah, six Damn. games. So you're getting it's the week first seven. time I've been wrong in years. So <laughs> you're getting DeAndre. 
DeAndre Hopkins week seven. I mean, if you could take this guy in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, where normally he's a, a top three, and you think you can weather weather the storm, I mean, he's he's a top flight wide receiver. Yeah. So there's it, value it just, there. It depends on how confident you are in your own drafting ability on whether or not when and where you want to go get him. But if you think you can fill out a roster and win in spite of him, I love DeAndre. I feel I feel like the sixth or seventh round is probably the sweet spot for taking him. Yeah, I, it just depends. I mean, it just depends on how confident you are. But yeah. for me, then for me, the yeah. sixth or seventh round feels like the sweet spot. Um, so back to Alan Lazard, average draft position 107. We have him at 92 here. Um, he's going to get targets. It's as simple as that. He's, he's the, he's the number one receiving option. That's not a running back on the Packers. And he has a hall of fame quarterback thrown to him. He's going to get opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it's one of those guys that he's going to get the targets. He's going to get the opportunities. And somebody's gonna have to do something in that offense. So I like Ellen's art a lot. Yeah. Damian and Pierce. Then, uh, yeah, we already talked about <laughs> Damian Pierce. Um his average draft position is not 116 anymore, unfortunately. Um so we'll just we'll just move on to Kirk Kirk's cousin down here. Yeah. Who's uh, been grilling up a storm all offseason, I'm sure. Average yeah, draft cousin. position 123. We have him so, ranked at about 76 here. So we're thinking like eighth round on him when really he's last until the 11th or 12th. The, th- the thing the thing about ADP when you're looking at quarterbacks is everybody is different. But the, when you look at quarterbacks, you don't really look at I wouldn't really look at ADP as much as like where they're going in the hierarchy of quarterbacks. Yeah. And he's going probably 15 through 20 right now when he's closer to a top 10 guy if that makes yeah, in more fantasy, sense. In fantasy, he's a top 10 quarterback every year. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean that that's just simple math. You can get him in the 15, but he's actually 10. Um, yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling going at about 145. We think he should be going around 130 here. Um if not center Honestly, I so I worry a little bit. Like I definitely think he's value at 145 and even at 130. Um, but I wouldn't go drafting him in your starting lineup just because I think a lot of what he does on the football field is spacing because he has lethal speed, but he's not a high volume guy. So here's my thing about guys like not necessarily like him, but trust the offense not the player he's in a chiefs offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl where he's the number number two option at wide receiver maybe number three depending on what you feel about scott Moore. trust the offense not the player that offense is going to put up numbers somebody has to be the recipient of those numbers it can't all be travis kelsey so the the numbers have to go somewhere i feel the same way about the lions offense I feel the same way about the green bay offense some of these, some of these offenses with new players, new names, don't know how they're going to do. Always trust the offense, especially proven offenses. The numbers have to go somewhere. Yeah, I think Valdez Scantling is like a Robbie Anderson to me. Like he's there for spacing. He's going to blow up some games because of it. 
but I, the consistency is what I worry about a little more with him. But either way, in the 13th round, you have outstanding value on him, let alone the 14th or 15th round. Absolutely. So, um, so moving on to our true sleepers here, kick it to you with Isaiah Pacheco being drafted at 156. Yeah, so differential here doesn't really have my back. I love Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's going to be the starting running back in Kansas City by the end of the season. And this is another one of those trust the offense, not the player type deal. This is a guy stash and grab or keep a really quick trigger on uh, week one, week two, week three, week four. If you need to go pick up a guy that you're willing to wait on, I think he will be there for you come the end of the season. Um, And... the We're running a little the, long, so we may have to run through these a little quicker so we can get to our college. Yeah, just real quick. The differential on this is basically just saying PFF, ESPN, CBS, and Fantasy Pros don't think he's going to get as many yards and touchdowns and catches as we do. That's really all I'm yeah. saying. Uh, next up, Devontae Parker. Another guy. Uh, this is a, another trust the system. Somebody's got to catch the ball there in New England. He's he's had the potential ever since he got drafted in Miami. For some reason, it just never stuck in Miami. Never stuck in Miami. But I think in this New England offense, he can be a guy that can get you seven, four to seven catches a game, 63 yards, and maybe a touchdown. Maybe one of those. He can get you 11 to 14 points a game. You can get him very, very late. I think he's going to be just a very reliable, decent guy that'll get you a couple of touchdowns every year. I don't think he's going to blow onto the scene and explode or nothing, but he's he's a guy who can give you week in, week out uh, starting ability at the flex position, and you don't ever have to worry about him. Yeah. And then next up here, Jacoby Myers going at 163. Basically Me personally, I'm good with taking Jacoby Myers anytime after the 12th or 13th round. Yeah. Like 163 is a steal. Him and Mac Jones share a bunk bed, I've heard. So, like, he's going to get targets. He's going to get touches. He might not get touchdowns, but he's going to get you 10 points every week. Yeah. Michael Gallup at 180. Um, you just got, it's kind of like with D Hop. You got weather the first few games when he's out, but Gallup yeah. is a proving commodity. And 180, he is an absolute steal. Um, Matt Ryan at 181. Model of consistency. He's going to be a top 15 quarterback. If, if you're best preferred quarterback late in the draft, know that you can get one in a guy like Matt Ryan. Um, Hunter Henry, outstanding value at 186 if you're desperate for a tight end. Like at this point, we're talking bench. We're talking about I had Hunter Henry on my roster last year as my backup tight end. Uh, Darren Waller went down for a few games. Henry was a savior for me. Got 10 points every game. Um, it was very touchdown dependent, but Mac Jones looks at him in the red zone. Yeah. So I, I don't see an issue with that. You want to take uh, Noah Fant and Jared Goff? Yeah, so Noah Fant, he's in that Seattle offense where we don't really know what's going on. Um, it looks like, uh, who who did they announce to their quarterback? Uh, Gino. I wanted to call him EJ Manuel. I, I'm always confused EJ Manuel and Gino Smith together. But yeah, Gino Smith, starting quarterback. I liked him more when I thought homeboy from Missouri was going to be the starter. But either way, yeah, Drew Locke. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's just very, very, very talented in an offense that needs somebody to catch the ball. I mean, they have two really good receivers. They have a good offensive line. They have two good running backs. The yeah. question mark of this team is at quarterback. But, I mean, you're talking about a tight end that's going in the 20s of tight ends, like anywhere between like 20 and 26 for tight end. Like, he's – He's better than that. I mean, he he's worth taking a risk on in the last pick of the draft. If if let's say you took a tight end uh, like Higby or is Higby's not the starter anymore? I take anymore, over Higby in but, LA. Yeah, let let's say you let's say you took a tight end that you don't feel great about and you need a second one just so you you have some options. He's definitely a guy worth taking late, late. And then Jared Goff. I've been on the Noah fan train for years, and no. I'm clinically depressed that he went to Seattle. I think he is too. <laughs> but um, Jared Goff at okay. I've been beating the drum for this guy forever, and when I get in an argument with people. Their argument to me, I kind of already prefaced it earlier. Everybody just tells me he's bad, he's trash, he's garbage, blah, blah, blah. He went to a Super Bowl. Oh, it's Sean McVay. I don't care. He went to a Super Bowl. He played well that season. He didn't play well in that Super Bowl, but who cares? He played well that season. He played well in the back half of last season when he got a new offensive coordinator for the Lions. He's got weapons all around him. He's got a top five offensive line. He's got probably a top five combination of one and two at running back in the league. He's got a good tight end. I mean, he's going to put up numbers. He's going to put up very good fantasy yeah. numbers. From a fantasy standpoint, he's like, he's getting drafted at 214. Like, yeah, I mean, don't make getting, sense. He's getting drafted after freaking Carson Wentz, people. I mean, this guy's going to put up top, top 15, top 10 fantasy numbers. Like, I sleep. I, I'm so tired of defending. Like people just act like this guy is just the worst quarterback in the league. He's not bad. I, I'm not sitting here and telling you like it's it's. I, I, it, I feel stupid arguing with somebody trying to tell somebody like Jared Goff is decent. And they're like, nah, he's trash. But like, no, he's decent. Like I I had this argument last night, and I quote the dude said he is a burning trash dumpster fire in the alley was the exact quote you are you kidding me he's not that bad he's, he's really not. not like I, I feel crazy for defending this guy like i never knew it was such a hot take that jared goff's decent like he's okay yeah he's okay <laughs> he's okay he's gonna put up good fantasy numbers yeah all right Let's uh, let, let's let's move into some of the college football bets. Close All this right, thing out. Dude. Let's so, go, boy. It's here. I know, man. I'm pumped. I, I bet too many games, but uh, um, yeah, you bet one more games than me. Let uh, me responsibly start this off with saying, over the last five years, games with the over under of sixty one and a half or higher have gone the under 53% of the time. So not that strong, right? But if you look at week one only, 
the under is hitting those games 64% of the time. So I'm just playing the numbers here. Give me the under when I see a 61 and a half or higher. Like, and I didn't do that on purpose. I realized that after I bet them because I liked them for other numerical reasons, like the cover probability that I have there, which is a combination of historical covers at that number, um, my own formula that I use, and then uh, PFF's cover probability. So it's the average of those three. I got all three of these, or all five of these at 60%. It's under Palooza. I love a Palooza, but I'll never, I'll never co-sign an under Palooza. <laughs> um, so we're talking about, we're talking about college football. You're talking about betting unders? That should be, oh, yeah. that should be a cardinal sin. You should be thrown in prison and the key locked away forever. Number one rule of gambling is don't bet unders on week one. I always bet unders. You should know this by now. <laughs> unders, are, it's like, it's good money, man. We don't Vegas bet to win. We bet, bet for fun. I wonder all gambling. So, looking at one of these that I wanted to talk about a little more was uh, Colorado State versus Michigan. Um, this is the third highest total for a Jim Harbaugh Michigan game ever. At 61 and a half. I mean, I they have only had 20 games where they scored over 61 and a half out of 85. Like where, where the total went over that. And, their defense and be good. Colorado State's bad. I think they're just going to run the ball the whole second half. So that's why. That, that's that's the, the reason I want to talk about that one. I think they, also have, they also have two quarterbacks that they're talking about cutting in half like they did in the Bible days. So. Frankie quarterback. Yeah. Gotcha. JJ McCarthy and uh, whoever the other guy is. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'll get on board with these unders. They got Colorado, Colorado State, Houston under. Uh, Houston, UTSA under. I actually kind of wanted to sprinkle that UTSA money line on Houston, but I think Houston might be the best group of five team this year yeah but they might start off the season 0 and 2 because you know texas tech's going in there and beating that ass in week two uh and then you got utah state alabama i mean utah state they beat and i i i can get into that game a little more at the spreads but my bad utah state has won outright against top 15 opponents the past two years they beat a number nine kansas state two years ago and last year they beat uh was it BYU? Utah? Yeah. BYU was 14 last was year. BYU. They beat them week one. Anyway, Utah State, they show out week one. They they played week zero against UConn and they didn't cover. UConn may be good, or maybe they were just looking ahead. I don't know. So they went down 14 to zero and then scored like four straight touchdowns off too like they yeah. just woke up at one point it, it was like there was a, there was a clear moment where they were like okay now we need to play but yeah this under 62 and a half i mean i think they're going to be pesty enough to where alabama just finally says like screw it like let's just end the game and they're yeah alabama's gonna get up 40 to 7 and then just sit on it maybe yeah, and I, I think I think Utah State can cover, and I think the under can hit. I like that. Yeah, no, that, that's one of my favorites on this. I was uh, most of my be, notes here are about the spread in that game, so I'll, I'll touch on that a little more. I think they're going to be pesky enough to where 
Alabama just says like just just run the ball out let's just end the game yeah. and win about 40 points but yeah what's the spread 41 and a half yeah I, I think Alabama wins by about 36 yeah that's where I'm sitting too uh, uh, do you want to talk about your overs here at all? Yeah, so my best bet of the week is Utah-Florida over. Uh, both are returning good offenses. Uh, Florida's quarterback is kind of a dark horse for Heisman, as much as you can be a SEC quarterback and be a dark horse. Um, he's he's old. I say old school, like early 2000s quarterback. I mean, he might have over 1,000 rushing yards this season and might have like 30 rushing touchdowns. He's not going to do a whole lot throwing the ball, but I mean, this Florida offense is going to be very explosive. They lost a lot in the draft on defense. Uh, started Florida, but or started started Utah, and both these defenses lost a lot in the draft and are both returning a lot on offense. I mean, I think it's just going to be a slugfest. It's going to be in the swap. I like Florida to win outright, and I like over... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit over 51 in the first half. I mean... This this is my favorite bet of the weekend is over in this game. I I don't I don't I cannot fathom a way that this doesn't hit with these offenses and these unproven defenses. If this doesn't hit, Florida's going to kill them because I think Florida's going to I think Florida's going to get theirs, and I think Utah gets theirs as well. So I mean the over has to hit in that scenario. But the only way this over doesn't hit is if Florida just beats the dog shit out of them. And then uh, Florida State LSU, uh, wonder, both, both. I wonder how new... Florida's home field advantage looks like with weather, like in September. You know, like it's also about crazy. Miami's like, like in the NFL. We were talking about the swamp, one of the hardest places to play in college football, and Utah's going in there as a favorite. Like, give me Florida money line in the swamp against Utah any year. Any any team, any time, you're going into the swamp from Utah. You're talking about from going ten thousand feet above sea level to below sea level in one of the most hostile environments in college football. It's gonna be sweaty. It's gonna be groggy. Like they're gonna be the Utah players are gonna feel like they weigh thirty pounds more than they do whenever they get down to that humidity. And then you have to the chomp every two seconds just chomp 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 then you got crazy sec fans breathing down your neck trying to kill you florida's gonna torch them this game like the florida florida being an opening home underdog against you i understand utah's a good team they might win the pac-12 they might be a playoff team i mean you're you're giving me florida as an underdog at home week one i'll take florida all day in that but i love 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 this over Boom. Uh, how about Florida State LSU? Florida State LSU, another thing. Don't like the defenses uh, at all. I think both their offenses can score. And, I mean, you have two premier programs. They're playing in New Orleans. So, not – I mean, I think New Orleans is actually closer to Tallahassee than it is Baton Rouge. I'm not positive on that, but I know it's not that far. So, I mean, Florida State should have a good – should have a good showing there. But I mean, it's it's LSU, it's in the Superdome. Um, I think it's gonna be points, points, points. I don't like either one of the defenses, and I like, I love, I'm, 
I mean, we talked about it earlier in the season. I love Florida State's quarterback situation, and I think Brian Kelly is going to be able to score points in that offense. So, yeah, I love both those overs big time. Boom. All right, let's see. Uh, against the spread here. So, like I said, I've got more to talk about on Utah State-Bama. This is one of my favorite bets of the weekend. could go terribly wrong, but I don't think it's going to. Utah State plus 41 and a half um, at Alabama. So Utah State under their new head coach, Blake Anderson, went nine and five against the spread last year, six and one on the road against the spread, and four and oh as a road dog against the spread. Um, and they were like, they were playing some tough teams and some of that. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Nick Saban as a 40 plus point favorite at Bama is three and eight against the spread. The only three covers that he has are against a Kent State team that went three and nine, a uh, Southern Mississippi team that went three and nine, and a New Mexico State team that went two and ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you tell me that, and Utah State's coming off a number twenty-four overall ranking, eleven and three season over the last five They're years. Pesky. Teams are thirteen and eight against the spread when they're this big of a dog. Yeah, they're pesky. Like, there's a lot to like in this number, and that's purely why I'm doing it. And because Utah State's coming off a season where they looked like a good football team and should continue to look like a good football team, 41 and a half is a Goliath number. Yeah. So give me the odds on that. Um, and especially when you have when you're when you're playing an SCC schedule and you have the game wrapped up, but I mean these these guys are just being pesky, and you don't want to risk injury. You're just trying to get the game yeah. over with. I mean, like I said, they could win by twenty-eight to thirty-five. Yeah, and like I don't, I don't think it's gonna be a close game by any means. But I think Utah State's good enough to just piss them off and like just kind of just stay pesky. I mean, that's the yeah. word. That's the best word I can think of for it. But yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. Usually, when you tell me a team can lose by five touchdowns and still cover, I just like the bet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, which is really purely the reason for my next one. University of Louisiana Monroe plus 37 and a half against Texas. I don't feel nearly as good about this one as I do Utah State because I do so, not have the same trust level that Louisiana Monroe is a good football team as I have with Utah State. But at this point, I'm just playing the number um, over the last five years. Teams are 26 and 17 against the spread at a spread of 37 and a half or higher. So, I mean, that's just, it, it's just a numbers play at that point for me. My only argument against that one is I think Texas is going to open up this season to try to make a statement. You got B. John Robinson, you got Quinn Ewers, you got the whole squad coming in. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to go in and try to light it up, but if they don't light it up early, I think they, I could see them slowing down and just trying to get out of there with a, a good win, 14 to 20 points. So yeah, that's pretty solid. Uh, on to your next yeah. one for Michigan. Central Michigan plus 21 and a half against Oklahoma State. Um, Central Michigan beat some beat and played close games with some decent teams last year. Uh, I mean, they beat Washington State in their bowl game last year, which Washington State isn't a world beater, but it still makes me trust that they can compete with a, with a higher level program, a power five program. Um, 
to start last year, Oklahoma State was slow, man. They won a bunch of one-score tight games, and they didn't find their feet until halfway through the year. So I'm kind of trusting here that 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 is the case somewhat again. Um, They only beat three teams by 21 and a half, by 22 points or more last year that Oklahoma State did. Um, And they were all in conference late season games once they got their groove. So I'm in this play, I'm hoping that they come out slow a little again and are a bit more vulnerable. Um, And that's really the point that I, that of what, why I bet this one, that, and the numbers just pointing me towards it. Yeah, and then on mine, so I have Arkansas minus six and a half against Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati just lost way too much to be a group of five program. Uh, can I say something and... on that one real quick? So the numbers hate this one because Cincinnati lost 17 starters and the numbers still think that Cincinnati has those 17 starters. Yeah. Vegas uses the same numbers. Use that to your advantage. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like Arkansas for this season. But I, I think I think they come out, they start strong, and I, I think Cincinnati is going to be a shell of what they were last year. So I think this is an easy big win for Arkansas. Ohio State minus 17 versus Notre Dame. I mean, you know how I feel about Ohio State. Like, the Ohio State University, C.J. Stroud, Trevion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba might go one, two, and three for the Heisman race. I mean, I think this offense is going to be explosive. I, I mean, I know we had our boy Chris Watt on, and – I mean, I know I told him we were going to be a Notre Dame podcast this year, but like, I'm sorry. Like, it's Ohio State. It's minus 17. I'm going to tell on you, man. It's minus 17. Ohio State's going to beat the brakes off these guys. Uh, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be a game. I I think they're going to absolutely steamroll them, but I could be wrong. I did terrible week zero, so fade me, but... And don't pay much attention to these incredible. cover probabilities if they're low. Like like I said, we're using 2021 data to try to talk about 2022. Until a few weeks in, it's all just up in the air. And this last one, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, baby. Maction. I'm not betting on Western Kentucky this game. I'm betting against Hawaii. Last week I bet on Hawaii. I said, ain't no way I'm laying eight points at home versus Vanderbilt like come on now is Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's win total was two Vanderbilt beat the absolute dog piss out of them but it wasn't even about Vanderbilt beating the piss out of them if you watch that game Hawaii doesn't even look like a, a division three program they their offensive line couldn't get out of the stance they couldn't catch the ball their quarterback couldn't throw the ball I don't know what happened to Hawaii they're terrible they're the worst they might be the worst team I've ever seen in my life and the fact that you're only getting that you're only have to lay 16 points against the worst team I've ever seen in my life with a Western Kentucky team that can actually score the like score. Yeah, like I want to take it to Western Kentucky at 20, 25, 30. Hawaii is terrible. They, they they might be the worst team of all time. Yeah. I mean, hey, I was I was pretty pissed at that game because I had a bet on it for I, I cover I, and it was nowhere close. They made Vanderbilt look like an NFL team. Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I might just bet Hawaii to not cover the spread every single game this year. I don't care how big it gets. Sports gambling, always betting against Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. The Rainbow (laughs) Unicorns or wherever they are, yeah, they're trash. All right. 
Now let's hit these money lines, which I know you'll love my second one there, Utah money line. But before I get to that, Coastal Carolina <laughs> against Utah Army. Going into the swamp? I am. I am. But first of first off, Coastal Carolina against Army. Um, Check the clears. I just I just think the chance. So this guy just hates. This guy win. just hates America. He hates the troops. He he, he thinks that once of people are going to come up the mountain into the swamp and win. He thinks the Chanticleers with their teal field are going to beat the troops. He's taking unders. Like this, this has got to be the worst American. Hey man, the unders hit now. for some serious money last year. You're you can knock me on, on my money lines. Don't knock me on my unders. You're betting against America week one. You're betting unders. Yep. You're, you're, you think some team from the mountains are going to walk into the swamp and win, and then you're betting against the troops with a teal field. Yep. I actually like Coastal Carolina. I was just giving you shit. <laughs> I know. I know you were. Um, so, Utah, honestly, I didn't think that much about the swamp. I was following numbers. I just thought, I think Utah's a really freaking good team, and they find a way yeah. to win. I, I mean, they, they very well. They very well could win. I, I like Florida, personally. I mean, it's it's hard to win in the swap, and I think their offense can be explosive. But I like the over more than I like Florida, so I'm fine with the Utah there. <laughs> and then you want to take the the uh, the last one there? Yeah. So <sighs> I want to like Penn State this year. I want to like Penn State this year. I'm going up to Pennsylvania late October. I was looking at, t- I'm going to be there the weekend of Ohio State, Penn State. I was going to buy tickets. I had tickets available to buy. Kind of expensive. I was like, man, looking at Penn State's schedule, I was like, they could have four or five losses by the time they play Ohio State late October. I started looking at that schedule more, and I was like, Maybe I don't like Penn State this year. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy, Aiden O'Connell, last year for Purdue. But if you look at the last couple of weeks of the season, maybe three or four weeks of the season, putting up 450 yards a game, five touchdowns a game, absolutely lighting up the world. I mean, if if Purdue wouldn't have fallen off midseason, Aiden O'Connell would have won the Heisman last year. No doubt. I mean, they were number two team in the nation at one point. And he didn't hit his stride until the last five weeks of the season. Aiden O'Connell is going to just absolutely torch this Penn State defense. Sean Clifford can't throw the ball. Sean Clifford's been there for 14 years. He still can't throw the ball. I don't know what they're doing at Penn State at quarterback. I think Purdue is absolutely going to torch this team. And I, I love Purdue Moneyline here. Plus 140, give me Purdue Moneyline all day, every day. Purdue Moneyline, lock of the week. I'm in on that one too. And if history tells us anything, when we both agree on one, it's pretty money. Also, we'll put this on Twitter. It'll be on the socials, but I do have a parlay real quick. BYU money line, Western Kentucky money line, Florida money line, Arkansas money line plus three forty-five. So, little three to one action there, and I feel confident in everything except Florida. Don't love Florida, uh, but I don't. I wanted a little bit of extra juice if I'm betting on Florida money line since I already have the over. I didn't want to double down on 
both the money line and the over. So I threw the money line into a parlay, hoping the over still hits. But yeah, basically getting three and a half to one there on that parlay. I don't see BYU losing. I don't see Western Kentucky losing. I don't see Arkansas losing. So let's go Florida. Yeah, I threw a, in my my uh, high school girl-like excitement of football being back. I was just like throwing so many bets into a parlay of just like, yeah, this one, this one, this, this one. Work. This will work. It so always I, I got, I got what a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, an eight leg money line parlay that pays nine to one of TCU um, beating Colorado, Utah beating Florida, your favorite, uh, Coastal Carolina taking the win against Army, betting against the troops. I know. The worst. Uh, Kentucky beating Miami, Ohio. South Carolina beating Georgia State. NC State beating Eastern Carolina. Georgia beating Oregon. And Houston beating UTSA. I realize as I'm saying this, the odds of this hitting are much, much. I should be getting paid much more than 9-1 to one on this. Yeah, I don't like but a lot of those games. I just threw it together because I was like, football, yeah, let's do it. Football. So don't follow that one. But if it hits, I love it because I made give it. it out. <laughs> just know that if it hits, you had the opportunity to take it at nine to one. But I think that's gonna wrap everything up unless you got anything else. Nope, that's all I got. All right. Week one college football, baby, let's go. Whatever you do, don't sleep on the lions. <laughs>